We are joined by our old friend, Moshe Hill, political columnist. His blog is ahillwithaview.com. Moshe, thank you for joining us again. Thanks for having me back. When is the last time back. you inadvertently accused someone of wanting to exterminate an entire race of people? Yeah, every Tuesday I try to do a, <laughs> uh, I try to pick somebody and, and accuse them of genocide. That is, it's an accident, you know, it's just an accident. But Nicole Wallace uh, managed to... Yeah, yeah, I misspeak all the time. Listen, you know, sometimes I, I trip over my shoelaces, sometimes I accuse people of genocide. I mean, accidents right. happen. Right. Did I say well done? I'm sorry, I meant medium, and sorry that I said you want to exterminate Latinos. Now, <laughs> That's, it's so, and, and seriously, we have MSNBC, we have Nicole Wallace. Then you have a recent article, really well written, about CNN's anti-Semitic, two anti-Semitic employees that were discovered. You have an MSNBC analyst saying that President Trump is sending secret messages to the Nazis. I, have they just totally gone off the rails? They have gone completely off the rails. 2019 has been a showcase of media just really digging into their leftist narrative. They didn't learn any lessons from the last few years. But between, but think about this. This is in the same year. It feels like a million years ago. But the Covington kids... Uh, story happened in the beginning of the year. The Brett Kavanaugh story was happening at the very end of last year, beginning of this year. The, um, uh, the lack of crisis at the border was happening during this year. Like so many things that happened throughout this year so far, we're only in August, so we still got a, a little under half a year to go. But so many things going on are just media just going nuts, getting everything wrong, attacking everybody who is left who is slightly to the right of of Bernie Sanders and it's insane they're they've gone more nuts than they ever have before and it's only going to get worse as you lead up into the 2020 election and we have to bring up the New York Times headline fiasco where they printed Trump calls for unity versus racism an innocuous but more importantly a completely accurate unbiased headline they got slammed by AOC and so many Democrats, and they literally had to retract the headline. That, to me, is a whole new level where they didn't do anything wrong other than report the news. They, they were objective for a second. That was their sin. <laughs> their great sin was being objective for, for around 10 seconds, and the left went crazy. They're like, what are you talking about? This is not what we expect from the New York Times. <laughs> And then what happens later is they change these headlines and then they come back and say, you know, Trump is a very divisive figure. He never tries to unify the country. Like, <laughs> you change the headlines. He tries, to, he tries to unify the country. Then you, you don't report on it. Then you say he never tries to unify the country. Now, I'm not <laughs> saying Trump is, is the most unifying figure. He is not. I think that Trump is a very polarizing figure. I think he could be, he, is very, he speaks very divisively. He is. He's divisive. He is. Agreed. I, I, it's one of his faults, you know, no one's, no one's uh, perfect, but he is uh, absolutely trying at some times. And there is a, it is incumbent upon you as the other side, the opposition to basically recognize when your political opposition is doing the right thing and to recognize it, because that's the only way we have a society, because we have to exist together. So if you only point out when he does something bad, and then when he does something good, you say he didn't even do that thing that was good, then how do we possibly exist in society together? And that's what's going on. 
That's a great point. And to me, perhaps the most comical part of it all was Trump made a comment. He says, I almost got a good headline there from the New York Times. And I'm thinking, it's not a good headline. Now, that's how far we've come, is that it's a good headline for Trump when the, the Times actually just quotes the man. Yeah, when, he, when you get quoted, that's good. As opposed to when, when uh, Ilhan Omar gets quoted, that's incitement. <laughs> that, that's what's going on. Now, of course, the big topic this week is gun control in the wake of those two shootings. And my question is sort of twofold. Number one, is anything going to come of this? Is there going to be legislation passed? We've had so many of these events where there'll be a shooting and then there'll be a big outcry. But then uh, kind of the news cycle gets overtaken by other topics and it gets forgotten. And my other part of this is, as a conservative, what kind of legislation do we even want to have passed? I doubt anything's going to come of this because there's just too much political friction in Congress. I don't think, especially with two different parties running each, uh, the House and the the Senate. It's so dysfunctional. It's so dysfunctional. I highly doubt we're going to get something bipartisan enough to to pass. But the the big thing that that a lot of conservatives are talking about, and there's a split amongst uh, amongst the the pro-Second Amendment right about what to do uh, regarding red flag laws. Red flag laws are essentially if you see a, uh, a neighbor or a family member or, you're a principal, or if you're a teacher and you see a student or somebody who is expressing certain um, uh, opinions, expressing certain tendencies towards violence, the, the guy who uh, shot up Dayton uh, had a list of, of students he wanted to kill. Yeah. People knew about this. And but there's no nothing, no mechanism in place to basically go to a judge and say, this person is here's the evidence. Here's what's going on. And that person can also be in front of the judge and plead their case and whatever and and have a defense. And um, and then the judge can say, okay, for 72 hours, you can't buy guns or or for for 30 days or whatever it is that obviously all the um, all the details have to be worked out. But that's essentially like the red flag laws. Now, the counter argument to that is something that you can easily find uh, uh, reasons for on Twitter when you see uh, or anywhere on social media. When you see a leftist say um, something to the effect of my neighbor has a a MAGA uh, hat on and a Trump sign, they must be a terrorist or something like that. They must be a white supremacist. Like you cannot have a red flag law in a system where you are so anti your own neighbor that you think anyone who disagrees with you politically must be a white supremacist, a neo-Nazi, a terrorist, or whatever it is. I, I live in New York. If I have a Trump sign on my yard and I have a gun in my house, as my neighbor says to me, says he has a Trump sign, they go to a judge, the judge hates Trump too. All of a sudden the police are coming into my house and taking my guns. What did I do? I didn't do anything. <laughs> so yeah, if the system is ripe for abuse, and the idea of getting uh, the government involved is very scary in any way. Yeah, uh, 100%. And I'm very torn because you do say to yourself, wow, this could have been prevented. In addition to that hit list, he was obsessed with shootings. I mean, pretty much everyone surrounding him knew. And he said to himself, if only you know, the FBI had gotten to him, similar with Parkland. But the flip side of it is, yeah, I very much am concerned about kind of leaving the discretion in the hand of some bureaucrat who's going to have guns and who's not. Yeah, it is kind of nuts um, that we're also not really talking about the Dayton shooting because he is a, a pro-Antifa, right. possibly, yeah, yeah, he was a leftist. Elizabeth Warren supporter. Elizabeth Warren. So then it's we okay. Don't talk about him. 
Yeah, we don't talk about him. We're only talking about the El Paso shooting. Um, it is absolutely insane. And the craziest thing, I, I, I loathe to, to talk about a white supremacist, disgusting white supremacist uh, murderer's uh, manifesto. But he specifically said that um, he's like, I, like, I'm not doing this because I was influenced by Trump. And the media is going to say I was influenced by Trump. Right. <laughs> and lo and behold, like, that's exactly what they did. They said he, this guy, his hatred and his rhetoric and his, uh, uh, what's it called, um, disgusting attitude towards uh, people of color, uh, Hispanics, uh, predated Trump. And yet they still blame Trump. So, and since they can blame Trump, that's the only one we're talking about. Exactly. So, as he predicted. It, yeah. It, it, it's, it's absolutely nuts. Yeah, you know, and if you're going to say, well, you know, he's a deranged individual and you cannot take that manifesto seriously, that's fine. But don't quote me all the parts of the manifesto that uh, reflect the influence of President Trump, but then conveniently skip the part where he says this was not Trump. This predated Trump. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's also another thing that that uh, law enforcement could do is they can keep an eye on these message boards that uh, the El Paso shooter was on the HN message board. I think they should keep they they should keep an eye on it. I think they should know who is who is on there. I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, it's a public forum. If somebody's uh, in the middle of the town square screaming and shouting about how they're going to kill all uh, Jews, I would want uh, the cops to keep an eye on that person. And <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Now, I also think that um, everyone is being a little bit premature on saying, shut down HN, shut down all these forums. It's like, well, if you shut them down, then the cops won't know, the, the law enforcement won't know what to monitor because they're just going to go somewhere else. If you, keep them in a place, if you keep them in a place where people already know about, then you have a greater chance of stopping the next El Paso or the next date. On a different note here, last week, uh, this Chakarbarti if I'm pronouncing that correctly, resigned AOC's yeah. chief of staff. What do you make of that? Do you think that was a, a victory for Nancy Pelosi, who, of course, there was a lot of friction there? Do you think it was more that he's afraid about legal trouble, about campaign finance issues? What do you think the significance is, is of that? So I think that Nancy Pelosi is going to take it as a win, but I don't think it was her victory. I think, similarly, I think that anyone who is um, pro-Israel should take it as a win. Um, I think that uh, Saika Chakrabarty is uh, probably one of the worst uh, uh, staffers in, at least uh, of the ones that I'm aware of, in, um, in, uh, on the Hill. Uh, I think that most of uh, uh, his rhetoric is very uh, anti-democracy. It's very anti, um, anti-American. That, and he's definitely uh, the Justice Democrats. Uh, there's a lot of uh, commonality between them and uh, like uh, anti-Israel groups, like if not now. Um, so he founded, co-founded the Justice Democrats. I don't think he's going away. Um, I think that he'll be back. I think that he'll, he's going to continue um, being an influential member of the uh, socialist left. But I, am, I think it's a win for uh, anyone who doesn't want to see the country turned into uh, a socialist escape uh, that uh, he's not right there in the center of power where uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez seems to be finding herself. She's uh, one of the leaders of the party at this point. He was right there next to her. At least he's not right there. This could be, uh, but I think Nancy Pelosi could count it as a win, but it may not be her victory. Yeah. And from a political standpoint, you know, there, I do have to make the point 
that the more socialist and radical the Democrat Party is, the more AOC and the squad cabal kind of take control and dictate their policies, the better it is for President Trump, just politically speaking, just in terms of reelection. I'd much rather, rather have a Democrat Party with Bernie Sanders as the nominee and AOC running the party because I think, you know, that it'll just totally flop. But just as, as from the standpoint of just an American who's just concerned about, as you said, you know, our, our country literally not just getting just taken over by the socialist mob, then you're, you're, you're correct. Yeah, I think that um, I like having uh, the Ilhan Omar's and the Rashida Tlaib's and even the AOC's in, the, in Congress where they can't do too much damage. They're only one or two or four or whatever of, of uh, 435 votes. Having someone like a Bernie Sanders as a nominee, much more dangerous game. Because at some, because if if on the what's the election November eighth twenty twenty if on October twenty fifth of twenty twenty uh, something comes out about Trump all of a sudden you got Bernie Sanders as your president you know like you got uh, Trump makes another statement on Twitter <laughs> that uh, that rubs a, a bunch of uh, uh, rural housewives the wrong way you know like <laughs> rural moms the wrong way you got to a lot of problems in the country. Yeah, so, Wisconsin but, and Pennsylvania, and <laughs> we're all doomed. Exactly. He like says like, yeah, we don't really need coal, do we? And it's like, <laughs> okay, now Bernie Sanders is president. Like, and <laughs> so we got a real problem. Um, so I think I, I I agree with you in terms of uh, having them be the face of the left is very beneficial for the right in a lot of ways when it comes to well, let's see what happens come 2020, because there hasn't even been an election cycle yet since they came into national prominence. So we'll see what happens. Now, we have not spoken since the Mueller testimony slash Mueller fiasco. Just what are your thoughts on all of that? Oh, my gosh. Um, can this be over? <laughs> like, <laughs> is, this, is this over yet? Have you guys lost enough yet? They, it, it's actually incredible how, how much the Democrats... Uh, don't have the common sense to realize that they lost, that they should leave, that they should, they should stop talking about this, that it's not working out for them. I mean, they, they're constantly just pushing. They're still saying that, that Trump colluded with Russia in the 2016 election. They're still saying it. <laughs> like they're, they're still the presidential candidates going on the road saying, listen, uh, the Russia interfered with the election and Trump won. They're still relitigating the 2016 election. It's insane. They're going to they're going to do it until until the moment that Donald Trump leaves office. It's, it's absolutely nuts. And I think that um, Mueller performed very poorly. Oh. Um, I think I think that he's uh, he showed that he just he, he didn't even write the report. He barely knew what was in the report. I bet you that there's uh, a thousand political uh, pundits who could have done Mueller's testimony better than Mueller did it just by reading the report. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was absolutely uh, ridiculous from, for the Democrats. They're still counting it as a win because, and the beauty of being a Democrat is you can say we won and the media will parry you. The media will say, oh, look, Democrats won. <laughs> even, but even when like MSNBC and CNN and, and the New York Times and the, the Washington Post and when all these people were talking about the Mueller, they all said, eh, they, they didn't do so well. And then they just stopped talking. 
talking about it. That's pretty much what happened. Yeah, and they're, they're hemorrhaging viewers. Our Rachel Maddow lost 800,000 viewers in the last six months, clearly coinciding with this whole Mueller debacle. And, you know, before the Mueller hearing, the big question was, will he reveal something new or will it be a dud? The Democrats' fear was, would it be a dud? Turns out the Democrats would have been thrilled with a dud because it was literally, it was the worst possible case scenario that the Democrats could have imagined. And they come out and Jerry Nadler says, I want to reassure the country we are moving forward on impeachment. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's, it's absolutely insane. Even their slight victory from when Ted Lieu um, was questioning uh, Mueller and basically saying, yeah. oh, uh, we would have, we would have uh, prosecuted him if it wasn't for the thing. He, Mueller came back after lunch and said, by the way, I, that, I, that's wrong. And he retracted. I take that back. That's the one thing I want to retract. The one, that's the, the one little win. The one bright the spot. The one thing. The, the one thing that they could have did, they could have uh, hinged the entire 2020 campaign on. <laughs> they, <laughs> they didn't. Uh, they had to retract. Absolutely insane. Collusion. Trump says no collusion, but Mueller says in the report he didn't discuss collusion because collusion is not a legal term. It's conspiracy. So yeah, Trump's wrong. Uh, four Pinocchios. Uh, it, it's just like wow. Just it, you have to just move on. Uh, it's, it's absolutely insane. It, it's I know. Amazing. And that, and also it's 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 hilarious that uh, he's like, oh no, we didn't exonerate Trump. It's like yeah, the prosecutors don't exonerate people. Right. No right. prosecutor has ever exonerated out. You can drop the charges or you can press the charges. You right. don't exonerate. That's not your job. Right. Like he's already exonerated because he's innocent until proven guilty. Right. That's I, I, I how it works. We should just put the, everyone in the country in jail until they're exonerated of a crime. You know, just we, we all start off in jail and you have to exonerate us to get us out. That, that's that's, uh, right. least that's, how, that's how it should work. <laughs> that's how it should work. All right, and, and finally, uh, let's talk about Google bias, Twitter bias. There's a story today how Mitch McConnell's Twitter account was blocked because he put up a quote-unquote offensive video of violent protesters out, outside of his house. Of course, they're allowed to call for his massacre on Twitter, and they're allowed to call for his assassination, and they don't get blocked, but McConnell, the Republican, gets blocked. Tulsi Gabbard, when she became the most searched candidate during one of the debates, she's suing Google because they blocked her Google advertising account at that moment. And of course, Gabbard, you know, she's an enemy of the left. She's viewed as a more right-wing leftist, so to speak. And then you have this Google employee who was fired, who says that they have this enormous bias, no surprise there. He said they had tears in their eyes, the executives, when Trump was elected in 2016, and they essentially vowed to do everything they can. They're going to have psychological profiles trying to persuade Republicans not to vote or, for, to, or to vote Democrat. And this, to me, is a much more dangerous threat than, you know, the Russians and, and their election meddling. you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, there's a lot of thoughts on this. So, first of all, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, is, I, I actually um, noticed that because I'm keeping an eye on it. Uh, Ilhan Omar's House Resolution 496, which is the one that says the pro-BDS resolution and, right. uh, and, and compared uh, Israel to Nazi Germany and it compared right. Israel to, uh, to, to apartheid South Africa. Tulsi Gabbard co-sponsored that bill. She just did. It was on July 30th. It didn't really get uh, any coverage. I was not aware but, of that. Uh, yeah, she, she is a co-sponsor on that bill. Um, wow. One of, I think, uh, 17 or 18 people who was on that. So Tulsi Gabbard is no uh, uh, moderate. 
when it comes to uh, these things. She's, uh, she has a lot of problems on her own. She did sue Google. Um, Google, uh, I actually- She met with Bashar al-Assad, by the way. We'll point that out. She met with Bashar al-Assad. She's, yeah, she is not a moderate by any, chance, any stretch of the imagination. Um, she, uh, uh, so I saw this video that, uh, of Ted Cruz talking to um, this, uh, uh, the former editor of Psychology Today, I believe, Dr. Uh, uh, Epstein, and um, uh, unrelated to Jeffrey Epstein. Um, and he was, they were basically talking about uh, Google's influence on the 2016 election. And he said that Google, at the very minimum in 2016, and 2018 uh, influence can influence 2.6 million votes in wow. in election. And that's at the minimum. It said between it's probably between 2.6 and somewhere around 10 million votes. There's a there's a great clip um, online. You could probably find it. Uh, I posted it on my Facebook uh, Hill with a View, um, and you you could definitely see it uh, from uh, from Ted Cruz uh, to uh, this Dr. Epstein that they're talking just about Google's influence in the election. Like just a simple example uh, between Google, Facebook, all these different uh, companies. If Facebook, they, through their algorithms, through their data, they already know everyone's political bent. You can actually look at Facebook. There's a, I, I have to look up how to do this again. I think they took it away though. Um, that a while ago, you can look at what, based on your posts, what they think you are um, politically. And I was listed as conservative. When I looked this up, you can find this on your profile. I was listed as conservative. So they know already, based on your post, based on your algorithm, based on your, your profile, where you line up politically. Facebook can simply send a push notification to everybody who is registered as a Democrat, who is listed as a Democrat, who has left-wing views, who has left-wing posts, a simple notification, it's election day, go vote. That simple notification which doesn't cost them anything because they send out notifications all the time, can swing a, millions of votes around the country in a presidential election. This is something Facebook can do. Nobody will know who gets in, who doesn't. There's no monitoring of these companies. It doesn't right. exist. They hold incredible amounts of power. There's, then there's Twitter. Twitter, like you said, Mitch McConnell has, uh, uh, what's it called? They, they didn't take down... Uh, videos of or, or posts or tweets of people saying uh, massacre Moscow Mitch, people calling for violence against Mitch McConnell. What they did take down was a video of protesters outside of Mitch McConnell's house actually saying uh, we want to kill him because that is too politically beneficial to Mitch McConnell. It makes exactly. it look too good. It makes him look sympathetic. And their Twitter is actively involving themselves in a Kentucky Senate race. The, re, the Republicans are trying to fight back uh, by saying, we're no longer advertising on Twitter until you undo this, until you fix this issue. We will no longer give you money. Um, the Team Trump did this uh, Twitter account, the GOP, I believe the GOP Twitter account did this. I know Ted Cruz followed suit um, and said, I'm not going to give you money. It's like a, the dominant opponent. They're saying, we're not giving you any more money in advertising dollars uh, until you fix this problem. Now, is, it is already known, it's well known that all these, uh, the heads of all these companies are very select. Like you said, the people in Google were crying. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, James O'Keefe at Project Veritas is talking to all these uh, companies, uh, whistleblowers for all these companies who are, have uh, requested anonymity. Um, they're hiding their faces, they're hiding their voices because they're afraid of these companies knowing about them. It is literally like, 
the government knowing about you and you're a whistleblower against the government, but it's these huge companies that have no um, accountability to anyone. It's absolutely insane. It's, it's quite disturbing. And you know, as I said, this is the real threat, you know, that of course the media is never going to report while they're all busy with all their nonsense. Absolutely. And it's actually, um, it's something that we should all be concerned about. I mean, I, uh, read most of my articles on Facebook, uh, my blog is powered by Google. My, uh, my Twitter profile is, uh, I spread through Twitter. I, I, that's how I, as a very small, uh, person who's trying to build my own political profile is right. tries to communicate. If they say we're going to shut everyone on the right down, what are we going to do? So that's right. I have an enormous amount of control. Uh, uh, okay, uh, that'll do it. Uh, Moshe Hill, uh, thank you. Great job. As always, political columnist, thehillwiththeview.com. And look forward to doing it again soon. Thank you very much.